Hello and welcome to Shut Up and please, for the love of everything good and holy, somebody close out to a three-point shooter. Uh, it's Shut Up and Jimmer. Hi, I'm your host, Steve Pierce, joined as always with my uh, with my valiant and brave, and getting braver by the day it seems, co-host, uh, Robbie McCombs. Robbie, I don't even know how you're still here. Yeah, we're, we're moving forward, Steve. I mean, thick and thin and it, pretty much all thin, but uh, we're here, we're going, we're giving the people, who knows, there'll probably be 10 people listening to this podcast this week, but you know what, Steve, I'll feel good after this. It'd be good to vent, get get all this frustration out there, and I'm hoping some BYU fans feel the same, kind of, could kind of commiserate with us. Yeah, it's uh, this is a tough one, because uh, we didn't record last week because of Christmas holidays, all sorts of travel and everything just didn't make it possible but these last two weeks in BYU basketball uh, history have been have been not great Bob um, they've been uh, there was a, a pretty rough uh, uninspiring loss to San Diego State on the road a San Diego State team which is not very good uh, which was down like 30 at the half to Brown uh, today uh, which shows you where they're at as a program and they they beat us pretty soundly and then t- uh, today this is, this is Saturday uh we got our butts just handed to us by uh, by Mississippi State, a very good Mississippi State team, but we made them look like, you know, the the '92 Dream Team. So it's it's not great. It's not great in Cougar Nation right now. And what we're gonna do today, we're just throwing out the rundown, our usual kind of our usual approach. This is these are not usual times in the BYU basketball program, so we're not taking our usual approach of breaking down each game uh, kind of more in depth. What we're gonna do is I just want to talk talk a little bit, just vent, like you said, Robbie, about the state of the program, where where we are, how we got here, and, and where do we go from here. So I want to just start, I have a couple questions that I want us to discuss. The first one is kind of what's wrong with BYU basketball right now, both in specific and kind of in terms of what's going on with this team right now in this season, but also in the big picture, um, in terms of where the program is as a whole and kind of how did we get here and, and where are we and what's the matter? Robbie, what do you see? What's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to digest. I mean, we, I think we'll both talk about kind of what's happening on a micro level with this team specifically, as well as a macro level level, just problems facing the program. So I guess we'll kind of start in the micro level talking about this 2018, 2019 BYU team. So first let's kind of give over overview where BYU is at. BYU is currently Eight and seven on the year of those seven losses are the most non-conference losses BYU has ever had in the Dave Rose era. The previous high was five losses BYU had in the 2014-2015 season. And I mean, there have been two extra non-conference games this year due to the new WCC schedule changes. But it's clear that this BYU team, from what we see in the non-conference season, is probably the worst team in the Dave Rose era. And... So I guess first, talent-wise, I guess we'll start talent-wise with this team. You know, it's interesting to think about where BYU is at talent-wise, because you look at where BYU is at star recruiting rankings, BYU shouldn't be the sport if you just base it solely on recruiting rankings. I mean... It's one of the better collections of talent BYU's yeah. had overall in terms of Yeah, just I mean, Yoli Charles right? is a four-star guy. TJ Haas was a consensus top 100 recruit. Nick Emery was a top 100 recruit. Connor Harding was a four-star guy. Gavin Baxter was a four-star guy. Colby Lee was a four-star guy. Five or six four-star guys on this team. 
So looking at the recruiting rankings, at least, because BYU historically has never gotten that many top 100 guys, top 200 guys nationally. So, I mean, I think there's faults in recruiting. I don't think BYU casts their net wide enough, per se, out of Utah County. But, I mean, if you look at the, just the raw numbers, the recruiting rankings, those should be fine. But clearly what we're seeing in those recruiting like, rankings aren't measuring what we're seeing on the floor. So I guess just the first problems I see with this team, I mean, Yoli Childs is awesome. And he's one of the possibly the best big man out west. I think if he was in the Pac-12, he in the Pac-12 he could possibly be the Pac-12 player of the year. And after yeah, and after Rui Hachimura and maybe Zach Norvell, he's the second or third best player in the WCC. So I think we could all agree first and foremost, Yoli Childs is incredible, which makes it even more frustrating that he's probably going to go to the NBA after this year and. Why wouldn't he after the dumpster fire with the team he's on? It's just incredibly frustrating once again to have another guy, a guy like last year, Elijah Bryant. Before that, Eric Mika, just really highly re- regarded guys leave early and just have an underwhelming se- season. If it's just probably if Joey's lucky, maybe he gets to the CBI this year. So, I mean, Yoli Childs is good, but outside of that, TJ Haas is a borderline WCC player, but I mean, there's just lots of problems. Um, Nick Emery hasn't been nearly what he was even to his sophomore year his sophomore year was a regression nick emery hasn't provided that spark granted it's been early it's been only about three weeks since he's coming he hasn't given that spark which a lot of people thought he would give but i mean first defense is absolutely horrendous um i was looking at the stats steve so particularly on the road because BYU's played five true road games this year and and those five true road games steve's get ready for this BYU's giving up an average of 97 points per game that seems that seems that seems not not good. No, Robbie, it seems not at, good. You know, NBA, it's like oh, that's a pretty solid NBA defense. Like no, no, this is college basketball where teams routinely, routinely score in the sixties. No, no BYU is giving up ninety-seven points per game. So I guess we let's dive into first the defense side of the ball. What exactly BYU is doing wrong, and the first the thing that jumps out to me. You go to Ken Palm and it says defensive identity. BYU is just inconclusive. And if there's any way to sum it up, Ken Palm sums it up. BYU's defensive identity is inconclusive. Is what is BYU doing? I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of it is starts from the top down. I think this will go into more macro things. It's the culture Dave Rose, Dave Rose has established at BYU. Um, I think there's very little accountability held to the players for lack of effort on the defense. So I think there is a lack of effort in the defense, but I think a lot of that comes to not being held accountable by coaches. I think some of that was masked last year with Heath Schroyer, just a, a really gritty, really established basketball mind to see Schroyer. He really held guys accountable. But with the assistant coaches BYU has there and with Dave Rose, nobody's it, the accountability is extremely low. I mean, you see that in closeouts as in there's lack of closeouts. There's over closeouts where guys are running as fast as they can away. Um, Tons and tons of problems. I mean, the switches, which has been a problem always BYU, this over-rotating on the defensive end, just to overcompensating for double teams. So the defense is extremely poor. And then the offensive identity, I mean, outside BYU, they give it to Yoli Child sometimes, but he struggles with the double teams. I mean, the three-point shooting is horrendous, and BYU is still relying on the three-point shooting. So there's just a lot to unpack on what's wrong with this team. But I think first and foremost, what's wrong starts from the top down. I think lack of accountability by the coaches and this kind of, I don't want to pontificate too much. See if I hand it off to you before you hand it off to me. But I think the first and foremost problem is accountability. The coaches have to the players and just kind of 
the apathy, like the coaches, Dave Rose doesn't spend as nearly as much time as he did with his players eight years ago. And I think he's kind of given to the tail end of his career. He just, he, he wants to win, but I'm talking to current players, talking to many, many former players that have been in the program the last four or five years. Dave Rose has his few favorites in the program. And then he just, he doesn't, he doesn't connect with players, but he, players feel like he ignores them. He doesn't care about them, that he's not involved. Pac- practices are s- super simple as in BYU. They'll just run a bunch of tempo drills during practice. There's not a, a lot of details going on in practice, especially by Dave Rose. So I think first and foremost, it starts from the top down and that, that trickles down to the rest. So I kind of wanted to start into a mic review, but that kind of turned into a Mac review. I, I think it starts accountability at the top down, which is the yeah. main the main problem with this team. Yeah, I mean, and you're totally right. I mean, there's all sorts of small things that are going wrong with this team. I mean, you can pick any you named most of them. The defense is horrible. The defensive habits are horrible. The offense is horrible. There's no movement on the offense. Nobody moves. The scheme is bad. Um, even if it's not the scheme, it's laziness. Guys just not moving. They're turning the ball over like it's you know going out of style right now. It's there's also the shoot bad shooting is bad. It's all bad. But all of those things, those are not a root cause. Those are symptoms of a broader problem. And this is a broader problem that has been building for several years now. Um, and it's not the problem is not that BYU doesn't have enough talent, which is what BYU fans, I think, usually use as the excuse of why BYU doesn't perform is that, you know, we just we have unique recruiting restrictions that make it hard for us to go out and get, you know, top guys. And so, you know, that's that's why the results quite aren't usually there. And I think generally that's true. Um, if you're expecting BYU to ever go out and like win national championships, you're going to be sorely disappointed. BYU isn't set up to do that. But to be better than this, you know, they have the talent to be better than this. They have five or six four-star recruits on this team. That's more talent than any BYU team has ever had, like you noted. Um, the pro- so it's not that the, key, that, the, that the horses aren't there. The horses are in the barn, right? They got the horses in the barn. The problem is... Once they got him in the barn, they haven't been developed. Yep. They, ha- I mean, you talked about Nick Emery looking worse now than he did as a freshman. You talk about TJ Haas not taking, you know, he's he's a good player, but he's not he hasn't taken a huge leap forward each season. Yoli Child is really the only one who's developed, and this isn't a new problem. This isn't a new problem with these kids. This is a problem over the last, you know, in the post-Jimmer era, really. The last seven or eight years under Dave Rose, guys who come to BYU haven't really gotten better. The few that have and who have really developed uh, have been the guys who are just maniacs who get in the gym by themselves and have their own personal coaches. Guys like Yoli. Yoli had, does a lot of work um, outside in the summer with uh, with his own, you know, his own coaches and his own team. Um, and that's why you've seen Yoli become the player that he has. Talk about like Tyler Hawes, same thing. You know, his dad, Marty, put him through uh, tons and tons of workouts and Tyler became, you know, the greatest scorer in program history. Kyle Collinsworth, same kind of story. But outside of, you know, those few select guys who have really become top, you know, great players and who've made themselves into great players BYU ha- under Dave Rose since that gym since that you know this couple years in the gym run have not developed players and they've had more talent than they've ever had but those guys haven't been developed they haven't been held accountable like you said particularly on the defensive end um 
And that's something that's always kind of, that's been true since, you know, in the, in that post Jimmer era as, as well. Um, there's just no accountability on defense and, you know, the, everyone fell in love with running gun BYU, um, when it was successful with Jimmer and we're just going to score a ton of points, but we always forget, you know, those teams like post Jimmer era and before BYU was good on defense Mm -hmm. and, you know, some years were better than others, but they had top 50 defenses nationally. They were good defensive teams and yeah, they ran and they scored a lot of points, but they also got stops. And somewhere along the line, we fell in love with the idea that we were just going to outscore everybody and it didn't matter how many points we gave up, but we just scored more than the other team. And the problem is at some point, if you don't develop your players, they stop scoring that many points. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't get play defense, then they can't win any games. And that's how you find yourself uh, where you are now. So, you know, you have all these kids. They haven't been developed. They haven't been held accountable. And now they're, they're also not being put in positions where the talents that they have and the skill sets that they have um, are, are being maximized. Right? They're, they're, I don't think, for example, defensively, yes, I have a problem with how Dave Rose does or, you know, more accurately doesn't teach the fundamentals of defense in his program. Um, but schematically, he's also not putting these kids in a position to, to succeed. They're playing defensively uh, a, a philosophy of really hedging hard on pick and rolls. Uh, being very aggressive um, with the screener's man coming up and hedging hard on the ball handler, which sets them up because BYU, you know, they're not as athletic as other teams. That, that, that puts them in a very hard position because they don't have the athleticism to recover quickly and rotate quickly without lunging and getting out of position. Um, and that's why you find BYU getting scrambled on rotations a lot, having bad closeouts, so that's partially fundamental. Um, they're just over the, the scheme that they play is overextending. They should be playing a pack line scheme where they are more sucked in, more contained, um, not not uh, guarding uh, as aggressively on ball handling on ball, ball handlers on the perimeter, um, which would help paper over some of the deficiencies that these players have. Like all players have deficiencies, um, just the very specific deficiencies of this team. But they don't play that style. And even if they did play that style, it's not to say that that's like the golden the, the golden key that would that would fix everything. Because even in that style, you still have to have the fundamental uh, just effort and focus to close out to shooters low slow and under control which BYU doesn't have they've been taught to lunge at shooters and fly at shooters um which just screws everything up and so that's that's where we have we have this these this problem of having really good players Dave Rose has done a good job of getting the program but they haven't been developed they haven't been held accountable and they they aren't being maximized in the way BYU plays right now, and that's how you wind up at eight and seven in a non-conference schedule where you look regularly uh, outclassed, even by teams that aren't very good, like San Diego State, who, like I said, was down thirty at halftime to Brown today. Brown is the fifth best team in the Ivy League. They don't even give <laughs> yeah. athletic scholarships. Like that's how bad, and they beat us by twenty. Right, so that's that's not even that's that's Definitely. how bad things are. And so if, thing, if things are that bad, I guess the question becomes, and I, I think you and I are both in agreement that, you know, it's it seems like we, we, we've, we've pointed the finger that a lot of this is flowing from the top. What do we do about that, Robbie? Is there anything that can be done about that? I mean, not even just in this season. I mean, this season is a, a whole thing. But just overall, because it seems like these are macro problems that have that have strung themselves out over many seasons that are just now coming home to roost. 
Yeah, and kind of going off, you just mentioned about the macro things affecting BYU specifically. You touched a lot on player development. I think, I mean, we talked about coaching a lot already. I think a lot of that is the coaching staff that BYU has. Um, I mean, Dave Rose has a lot of experience. I think he's not as engaged as he used to be, but I mean, obviously he has the, the, the track record that he has had success. But what I'm looking at is the assistance and that BYU has not branched out at all. So I just kind of want to go through the assistant, Steve, and kind of talk about their experience. So first you have Tim Lacone, who's the assistant head coach, who's the assistant coach. And Steve, do you know where Tim Lacone was before he was at BYU? I I actually don't remember, but it's, I All remember right. it's not somewhere right. very he good. He was at Utah. It's like, okay, he was at Utah. He was the video coordinator at Utah. He was the guy cutting up the video, putting together the highlight tapes, you know, for Utah coaches to look at. And before, and he's never been, and even at high school, he was before that, he was an assistant coach at American Fork. So even at high school, he was Mm. never a head coach. Then he went to Utah where he was the guy cutting up the video. Then he went to BYU and now he's an assistant coach. So first of all, if he was not at BYU, he would not have a job. I mean, or he'd be at a very low level assistant job. So first of all, I think, I don't want to bang on guys but i mean i'm just talking i'm just those are the facts that has his experience before byu he was the video coordinator at utah he has no experience i think quincy lewis i think he he obviously had great track record at lone peak i think he's a guy that should be on the staff um but i mean again he's unproven and then i don't think lee kermard in and of himself was a bad hire but i think he would have been a better hire if there's a guy like heath schroyer on the staff so i think lee kamard would have been if there was already an established veteran assistant with a proven track record tim lee kamard would have been a great hire but with without those proven veteran guys that had been through the thick and thin of a lot of college basketball programs that was a really questionable hire cuz look in the past when BYU has had success i mean you were the last assistant coach the last time BYU was in the ncaa tournament mark pope was the assistant coach. And obviously he hasn't had amazing success at UVU, but I mean, tonight they just did win at Fresno state and he's really rebuilt that program into a quality whack program. Before that, BYU had Dave Rice in the Jimmer Fredette years. And he, he didn't do great things at UNLV, but he was a fantastic recruiter. And now he's an assistant coach in the university of Washington in the PAC 12. So those are really high level assistant type coaches. And even last year, Heath Schroyer, I mean, even though BYU was in the NIT, you, there was a difference in effort and accountability with Heath Schroyer on the bench. So to me, that is one huge red flag with this program and going along with the player development. There's not those guys that with the proven track record of going through a college basketball grind, of having success at the college basketball level and for developing college basketball players. So I think the staff that Dave Rose put together is very poor and is a huge reason why BYU is struggling right now. And I think that really starts at the top with what's going on there. Just a very experienced, very green, a lot of Dave Rose. Yes, man, guys that, I mean, a guy like Lacombe, if Dave Rose fired him, he wouldn't have a, he would not get an equal job if he was out on the open market. So I think that is one huge issue I'm seeing. Number one, with the coaching that BYU has, I mean, even I think BYU should stem out just from the BYU circle, get a guy that's not a member of the, of the LDS church, maybe a guy that's, that's African-American. Cause when's the last time Steve BYU had a African-American coach on its staff? I mean, BYU is just not branching out. They're just staying so comfortable. Like the Lee Kamart hire was the most comfortable, safest hire BYU could have made. And that yeah. just showed that Dave Rose just took the easy route, the most BYU route, I guess you could have imagined just the super safe hire instead of kind of rolling the dice a little bit, get, got a guy out of the system. So that's the number one I think I see. 
that Dave Rose, that he's yeah. kind of letting his guard down for what he used to be. And the staff he has is just not a good division one staff. Yeah. I'll disagree with you on one thing. Mm-hmm. I think that the Lee Kamart, Lee Kamart hire was a bad hire in and of itself. Okay. Like that's not to say Lee's not a nice mm-hmm. guy. Lee is a nice guy. And that's not to say he couldn't become a good coach at one point, at some point in the future, but they took a, they replaced a coach, an experienced mm-hmm. coach, like, like Heath Schroyer, who had been a head man, um, at multiple stops and was a, is a very good coach, um, regardless of whatever the, you know, the ultimate results of last year's team, uh, were, like you mentioned, going to the NIT and they replaced him with a kid who has no coaching experience whatsoever. Yeah. Right. He's never coached anywhere. He was a grad assistant at BYU. He played, he was a great player. I think he could be a good coach someday, but for this program and where it is and as, as engaged or as, as we know, not engaged as Dave Rose is as the head man in the program, they needed a really good assistant coach and they hired. Yeah. And just to interject, I do agree. I think the ideal staff would have been if there was like a Marty Wilson type, who was the coach at Pepperdine. If you had him and a guy like a middle guy, like, Quincy Lewis and then Ali Kamard. I think that's where Ali Kamard could have fit in. But like you said, a trade yeah. for Heath Schroer didn't make any sense. Just a one-for-one swap without retooling any of the coaching staff. That Because I think Lee Kamard, with his experience in Europe, I think he could develop into something. But BYU, with the current coaching staff they had now, they didn't need a guy that could develop. They needed to hire that guy that could be yeah. the number two man on, next to Dave Rose. Yeah, yeah. I think you're totally right about that. And there is just an, a ton of inexperience and especially in that assistant coaching. And the question that most BYU fans, at least the ones that I've seen uh, raging out there today, and, and rightfully so, the question that they keep asking, and this is a drumbeat that's built for a while, is, you know, why why stop at the, at, you know, pillaring the assistant coaches? Is it time, you know, we've talked about how Dave Rose seem, has seemed a little checked out from this program and not as invested and not as engaged with his players for a couple years now, um, and you know, there's I'm sure there's reasons for that that are um, some probably some good, some not as good. But is this is it time? I mean, and I I've been a staunch you know Rose defender, um, and I still am in a certain sense. But is it time to think about you know? Is it time to move on? Does BYU need new blood from the top of the program all the way down uh, to kind of turn this around? Because it's pretty clear that. Uh, even by you know realistic standards for BYU, this is this th- this program is underperforming significantly at this point from where it should be, even with the with the unique situation that it has. Yeah, and I think there's a few factors. So I think first of all, I think I don't think BYU will ever fire Dave Rose. No, I think first <laughs> of all, no, he just got an extension. I mean, we have to. He does have a great track record. Um, he's had great seasons. So I think just after one season in and of itself, you can't fire him. But I, but I, whether we believe Dave Rose will be should be fired or not, Bueller won't fire him. He's going to walk out. I think whether he goes to the end of his contract or whether he retires before that end, Bueller is not going to fire him. But I think another thing is the resources, the university and the institution that BYU, just the money they're willing to give to an assistant coach. I mean, I know I think I don't know if I was talking to you in the off season, Steve, but. I, Mark Madsen, for example, he's he played in the NBA. He played at college at Stanford. And he's a current assistant coach at the Lakers. BYU did interview Mark Madsen to be an assistant coach, but BYU didn't pony up enough money. And I don't know if BYU they didn't hire him because they didn't want him, or if they didn't hire him because they they didn't offer him enough money. If that makes sense. So I think if BYU had 
had the funds, they could have potentially had a Mark Madsen type, which is exactly the type of guy BYU needs and who I personally think should be the BYU's next head coach just because of his player development skill set that, that he has with the Lakers and what the recruiting um, thinks he could bring and say, hey, I've coached LeBron, I played with Kobe, I coached Kobe, I coached all these players. But as aside from that, I think the institution of BYU, just the money they're willing to give out to these types of assistant coaches, I think that does hinder BYU a little bit. But aside from that, um, I don't even know what the question you asked me, Steve. <laughs> <But> <laughs> just, I'm just going off on a tangent just, just about... Tan- tangent just, away, man, my man, yeah, tangent exactly. away. But I'm just thinking too, Steve, I, I don't see these problems being fixed in the near future. I mean, just let's go to next season. I think we both agree that Yoli's going to be gone and rightfully he probably should leave. He's a border, borderline second round NBA draft pick. So, I mean, with Yoli gone and you have Jesse Wade coming to the program, which I think could help a lot of the shooting woes, but a, another six, one guard isn't going to come close to compensate for what you would, you will lose with the only child's. And then with the freshman, they bring next year in Shang Zili and they do bring in uh, Trevin Nell, who's immediately committed to Cal. He'll be solid. And then Bernardo da Silva. But I mean, if you lose Yoli Childs, I mean, next year things aren't going to get any better. And then what BYU has really relied on before, there has been really good in-state talent and they brought in with whether it be the Lone Peak 3, just whoever it may be. BYU is not getting those top guys. I mean, Isaac Johnson, he's a top 50 guy in American Fork. He's going to Oregon. So just the pipeline, there's there's none of those guys in the pipeline that you say, man, that guy's going to be really good. Right. So that's what really concerns me, just the coaches BYU has and then the future talent I don't see things being fixed anytime soon with the current way the coaching staff is set up and with the talent that's coming in. So the future of BYU basketball is concerning to me. I don't see any BYU getting better anytime soon. Yeah. Do you do you kind of see it the same way? Or I think we're we're on the cusp, Robbie, of a pretty dark stretch uh, for BYU mm-hmm. basketball. I think. You're absolutely right that Dave Rose is not going to be fired. Dave Rose is the best basketball coach in the history of BYU, the most successful basketball coach in the history of BYU. He is not going to be fired, right? He's given too much to this program. He's done too much. Uh, He's too much of an institution at the university. He will not be fired. Now, if this if this season gets you know far enough sideways. you know, does that mean that Tom Homo doesn't go have a, a difficult conversation with Dave and say, hey, Dave, you know, let's look at where things are and let's think about preserving your legacy and everything that you've built here and not, you know, running this program into the ground. Like, let's think about how we're going to transition out of that, if out of here, even if that maybe those conversations have already happened. We have no way of knowing. Um you know, I wouldn't put too much stock in the extension that they gave Dave Rose. It's a one-year extension. Those types of extensions normally get given to coaches so they can have a they can they can have some credibility on the recruiting trail. They can go out and tell kids, "Hey, I have a contract to to recruit you uh, to 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 be the coach at this university." You know, through the time when you're going to be here, and that helps them on the recruiting trail. So that's a fairly standard thing. I wouldn't say that as you know some long-term commitment. It's just a one-year extension. But uh, I do think that BYU. And, you know, I've held off on this a long time because I think, you know, the problem with with saying you're going to fire a coach at BYU is with, you know, again, the unique situation there and needing a, you know, temple worthy member of the church to be the head coach of every, you know, varsity sports program. There's no, that's really significantly limits your pool for replacements. And there's no surefire 100 percent home run hire out there. 
Um, there's a lot of, there's a couple guys who have some pretty good potential, I think could be really good. Um, but there's no guarantees. And so, you know, you have to be really careful of pushing out the best coach in program history. If you don't know that the replacement is going to be great, but I think we've gotten to a point now where the program, the problems have been persistent for so long and they finally come home to roost and the program is underperforming so consistently and so severely now um, that there is a need for new blood and how we get there uh, is, is an open question, right? Dave Rose is not going to be fired. I don't know what his plans are in, in terms of how much longer he wants to coach. Um, but if he slow rolls his exit from the program, which is, you know, probably coming in the next few years, no matter what, um, just because of where he is in his career, um, and the kind of trajectory of the program, it's probably coming and, in, in, uh, inevitably, you know, in the next few years, but if he slow rolls that and we have, you know, a, a couple years more of this era, uh, things could get really bad because like you said, there's no great player in the, in the pipeline that you can point to. Uh, they're going to come back next year with essentially the same team minus their very best player by a wide margin and with nobody really to replace him. Um, and obviously we know, you know, improvement from within is not really an option seeing as they don't develop players, um, uh, very well. So, you know, Shengzi Lee and Bernardo da Silva, you know, they're very raw. They're not going to contribute right away. I think Jesse Wade is going to be a nice piece, but Jesse Wade ain't going to change this team from what it is to a good team. Uh, Trevin Nell, who maybe makes some threes, is a really good shooter, but he's just coming off his mission anyway, right? So you see the problem. And when you're bad, and BYU is bad right now, it, it makes it really hard to recruit. And so even looking two, three years out, there are good players out there that you know, BYU is recruiting good LDS kids like Caleb Lohner down in Texas, a great player. will probably end up being a top 20 at the very least player nationally. Mm-hmm. The guy is legit. Uh, there's some services who project him being a top 10 guy in his class in 2020. Um, that is a guy BYU was the first people to offer him. They were on him early. Caleb Lohner, he has offers from everywhere. Caleb Lohner isn't even going to look at BYU because BYU sucks, right? And they're going to be worse next year <laughs> at this at this point. So even the guys that are out there, guys like Mari Sissoko at uh, at Wasatch Academy, and guys like uh, Richie Saunders at, Wa- at Wasatch Academy, all these guys, there's guys who BYU has done a good job of getting in there early and, and developing relationships. Those guys don't want to come and play for a bad team, right? So not only is this a bad season and, a, and next season potentially another bad season, that's not only a problem for now, it's a problem for tomorrow. Right. And so you can you if you have new blood in the program and let's say, you know, Dave Rose were to surprise everybody and say, and I'm not saying this is going to happen or should. um, But if he said at the end of this season, I'm retiring, guys, I got to I got to I'm going to hang him up. I've just decided it's time for me to move on. And next season, they and at the end of this season, they hired Mark Madsen to come over from the Lakers. Um, Mm. And, you know, I've been beating that drum for a long time, Robbie. That's been that's been my drum for a while. I've, I had kind of like a dual it's a drum, drum beat. It's a dr- great drum to beat. Uh, highly underappreciated. And we could talk about this in depth another time. But let's say they hired somebody like Mark Madsen. You know, he can go and sit in Caleb Lohner's living room and say, you know, like you mentioned, look, I know we're not very good right now. I know we're bad. But A, this is the beginning of something new. We're building something and I know how to build it and you're going to be a part of it. You're going to be a central part of it and I can get you where you want to go. You can help me build this thing and 
I spent the last 10 years developing NBA players. I coached the best there ever was. I played with Kobe. I coached Kobe. I coached LeBron. I have two rings. I know what it takes to succeed at the next level. I know how to get you there. Come help me build this thing and let me help build you into an NBA player. That is an incredibly alluring recruiting pitch right there. Dave Rose cannot make that pitch, right? Dave Rose and his current set of assistants, they have nothing to sell to recruits right now. They just come and play for, all they have to sell is really the BYU experience, which is a good thing. Like the BYU experience for LDS recruits is very alluring, but you see a guy like Isaac Johnson, LDS recruit, BYU family. He didn't even, BYU couldn't even sniff Isaac Johnson. He didn't even, he wouldn't even even get an official visit. Yeah, they didn't even make like the final list, right? Because he's just right up the road in American Fork. Because he he knew, he looked at the program, and he saw, this isn't a big-time program. And I think of myself as a big-time player, and I'm going to go somewhere where I can get exposure and I can play big-time college basketball. BYU doesn't play big-time college basketball anymore. And Dave Rose can't successfully or credibly at this point make the sale to any kid that's going to come along and wants to play big-time college basketball. BYU is going to be playing big-time college basketball anytime in the near future. So I don't know how long it's going to take for us to get new blood in the program. It's time. Uh, I'm put the marker down right now. It's just a question of how long it takes and how do we get there? And so I guess wait and see, but I think it is time. And I think it needs to go right down to the very top. We need to kind of revamp the entire thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with a lot of that, Steve. And then, like you said, I think it could just be get worse before it gets better. That's kind of the inkling I have based not only what we're seeing now, but based what we have coming into the future and and based on what I expect the coaching staff to look like in the future. I think we could see another couple of years of maybe not even getting to the NIT before we finally see a change. And again, Dave Rose is the most successful coach in BYU history, but I think, I think it was Bobby Bowden that said at the old Florida state coach, but he said every coach at about 10 years no matter how good they are, they about hit their peak at that program and you need a new voice in the program. And obviously there's exceptions. There's Lavelle Edwards and obviously great, the all-time greats. But I think we saw that football with Bronco and it's debatable whether the football team is better now. But no matter how good a coach is, 95% of the time at about 10 years, I agree with that. It's about time to get a new voice. And I think we acknowledge the great things Dave Rose has done, the great career he's had at BYU, but... I think it's time for a new voice, kind of some new, just blood into the program to kind of just re re-energize and re-enthuse the fan base and the donors. But I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see that change. And we're going to see more years of maybe getting to the NIT, but probably even some CBI years ahead. So overall, I think it's to get the stay the same or get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and that's not a great note to to leave things on. Obviously, <laughs> I think it's the it's an accurate one. Let's just really quickly before we hop off here. What should this is where we are? We've talked about it. We accept it. This is where we are. How do you, as BYU fans, how do we kind of move forward with the rest of this season, Robbie? Right? We have we're this is kind of the midway point. We have WCC play coming up. WCC play could be pretty rough. I mean, it's very possible to see BYU finishing fifth or sixth in the WCC, considering how much the conference has improved. Um, really good teams in the WCC this year, and BYU is obviously not playing well and can't win on the road at all, um, which seems like a problem. So, 
you know, what do, is is this season over? Should everyone just tune out? What's or, or should we be looking for specific things? Kind of last thing. What what? How do we t- approach the rest of this year? Um, even as we muddle through the mire of this larger existential crisis. Yeah, I mean, I think we're maybe the wrong people to ask because we'll watch every single game, whether no matter what. Well, that's true. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think yeah, I think I'm, the WCC is a lot better this year, so I think it is. I mean, even Santa Clara, who's a bad team, they beat USC and they just beat Washington State, two Pac-12 teams. And then San Francisco, St. Mary's, LMU's a lot better. San Diego's a lot better. I think BYU finishes around fourth or fifth, but I think they could finish as low as sixth. And if the wheels totally fall off, maybe even seventh. As far as things to look forward to, um, I think BYU fans should appreciate Yoli Childs. I think he's could go down as one of the top five bigs in BYU basketball history. I think he's the best big big man, potentially the best big man out west. I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers, and it may be a long, long time before BYU gets another big man with, with the talent that Yoli Childs has. So I think for me, I'm going to appreciate Yoli Childs. And I think you know, trying to look forward to the future. I mean, it's kind of disheartening a little bit to see what's happening with Gavin Baxter. Just seeing he's almost regressed since the first month of the season, and I don't. Which is whether BYU is utilizing whatever that may be, but I think hoping maybe some. Of the, I think Connor Harding has a really bright ceiling, so I think hoping guys like seeing guys like Connor Harding, Gavin Baxter, even a guy like Colby Lee, seeing those guys develop. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to watch BYU, guess because you love BYU and see guys like talent with the only childs. I mean, the beautiful thing about college basketball, it takes three games in a row to get on fire in March in your conference tournament, and you can make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Not that's going to happen, but the beautiful thing about college basketball, your season is not over till March, which you can't necessarily say about college football or any other sport for that matter. So there is always that inkling of hope, with especially since BYU has all-time talent like Yoli Childs and even an all-conference performer like TJ Haas. You never know, three days in a row, BYU plays their games of their life. But So those are things I'm looking forward to, to watching some Yoli Childs, watching TJ Haas, hopefully watching some of those young guys develop and maybe March Madness happens, but yeah, it's dark time. It's not the worst BYU basketball's ever been. There's obviously been lower stretches, but yeah, those are the same things I'll the be looking for. This isn't the 1-25 year, but it's probably no. the worst since then. Um, yeah. yeah, it's you're you're right. I mean, savoring Yoli and everything that you're just enjoying watching him play because he's he's a real joy to watch is great and everyone should do it and just it's worth tuning in even just to watch him do his thing uh in a byu uniform because you won't see that for a while um but i do think it's time you know we it's time to recalibrate the expectations like and mine have been recalibrated if they haven't been recalibrated for you already um i don't know you you have you're more persistent than i am but you know after i watched that mississippi state game today I wasn't even mad. Like, I'm just so numb. Like, I can't be upset anymore. I just like, okay, this is where we are and just turned it off and went about my day and it was fine. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if if BYU loses, you know, the next two games to Pacific and St. Mary's on the road, you know, I fully expect that they will actually. And like, that's okay. And like, it's time to adopt a longer term perspective. This is not about what tournament BYU ends up in at the end of this year, because they probably, they may not end up in any, right. That's a very realistic and maybe the most likely possibility at this point. Um, we have to take a broader perspective. And I think looking to the future, like you mentioned, is the, is the way to do this. And I hope that Dave Rose and his staff can take the same perspective too, right? This is, 
acting like you're scrapping to get onto the bubble for the NCAA tournament right now is is not useful, right? That's burying your head in the sand. For the good of your program long-term, they need to start taking chances and playing these younger guys who are going to be around and who need to develop. They need game minutes. Gavin Baxter needs significant minutes, even if he's not great out there for the next little while. He needs to be out there figuring it out. Connor Harding needs a more featured role. He has, to Dave's credit, played him more. But Connor Harding needs a more featured role. Colby Lee needs to get some run. All these guys are going to be around for the next two, three, four years. Um, I mean, we probably need to see less McKay Cannon, to be honest. He's a senior. He's not going to be around next year. His ceiling is reached, right? And that's not to say McKay Cannon can't do nice things on the floor and help you win some games. But you know, he's not going to help you win games next year, right? And that's where the focus should be right now. And that's where fans' focus should be. It should be watching, looking to the future, watching the guys who are going to be here and looking for signs of, of growth because we haven't seen a lot of growth like we talked about in this program uh, on an individual or a programmatic level. And so now hopefully we can do things a little bit, little bit differently. Hopefully we can focus our attention a little bit differently and look for, you know, some signs for the future that can, that can bode that can bode well in the development of some of these young guys who, who really will be the next wave and hopefully will try and figure out a way out of this morass. But uh, I think that's I think that's kind of it. And you know what? BYU might finish fifth or sixth in the WC and WCC. And you know what? Yeah, maybe that's not okay for you, but that's the reality in which we live. Um, and that's where this program is. And it's going to be, you know, we're, we're at the part of the roller coaster where you're about to ride it up to the very, you, you're at the bottom most part and you got to ride it up to the top so you can enjoy the ride, uh, you know, all the way back down. We're on that long clicky thing out of all the way up the roller coaster. And it might be really long, like we talked about. Um, but if you can't, enjoy uh and find some uh find something to 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 look for and to look forward to in that uh it could be a while because it might be a couple years um but you know that's just how you gotta stay sane (laughs) i have i have no other great advice for anybody other than that yeah uh, i agree and you know i would love nothing more for this team and this staff to prove us wrong and to go on a run i think first and foremost we want byu to play well, whether that's with this staff or that's with another staff. But yeah. just based on what we've seen, not only this year, but the past three, four, even five years, it's just the trends that we've seen, it's just hard to see that improvement happening overnight and even over into next year. So yeah. hope we're proven wrong. But in the meantime, as the fight song says, Rainer, was it rain or shine, snow? I, I can't even <laughs> think right now. <laughs> Rainer, shine, snow, whatever will watch BYU oh, basketball boy. playing gonna, and you're going to get burned on Twitter for this Robbie you're going to get am, burned so bad I, I, I will you know if someone's listening still at the 42 minute mark then I will gladly take that burn but <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, so we're, so we're going to get burned because we're not even true BYU fans because we can't even recite the fight song but you know if the, if the band was going I could recite the fight song Steve so but yeah, I believe you, Robbie. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Thank you for I your believe, faith. I, I believe in you. I know you're a true blue fan, as are all yeah. of us here at Shut Up and Jimmer. And you know what? If you made it all the way through this podcast, listener, you know what? You're a you're a true blue Cougar fan too. So you know it might be dark out there, uh, but never forget. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about the Pacific game and the St. Mary's game. Hopefully, they're better. I don't know that I have faith that they will be, but we will always get. We will always maintain our hope. And you know what? Always. As the fight song says, dear Robbie, we will fight day or night, rain or snow. There you go. I was just setting you up, Steve, giving you an assist. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Go Cougars. Go Cougars.